0: Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond surviving and thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 140. Happy to be on with you. Happy to be live on Facebook. Proud to be a member of the Education Podcast Network, Voice Ed Radio Canada, and certainly part of uh, the podcasts uh, that are happening on iTunes. It's a great community. Whether it's Education, Leadership, and Beyond or another one that motivates you right? Those podcasts are like your little shows, your little connections. We got a lot of fans and uh, really proud to have done that. Really proud to be at 140. Uh, it was uh, almost 100 episodes ago or maybe more. We had today's guest on a couple years ago, Mikey Fowlin. Mikey uh, is a psychologist. Mikey is a poet. Mikey is a performer. Uh, but more importantly, Mikey is a person who is impacting the lives of uh, kids in schools around the Northeast, around the country. Uh, it's an honor for me to, to have him on. Uh, and, you know, doing this a long time now, I've been a principal and assistant principal 16 years and doing the show now a few years. You have people that come into your lives, right? I've had guests on here and, you know, maybe I haven't connected with them as much afterwards, but then some people come into your lives and they have a profound impact on you. Uh, and Mikey Fallon, Dr. Mikey Fallon, has been one of those people. I've seen his performance live four or five times, and it's impactful. It's, it's moving. For me as an adult, I'm crying at his shows. And uh, really, it's an honor to speak to Mike. Um, so we're going to get to Mikey in a moment. Today's opening concept, and again, if you're watching live and listening live, give us a shout out, uh, give us a hello. Uh, But today's opening concept is called Under the Surface. And I was going to attempt to share my screen and get this queued up, and uh, we hit a a tech glitch. I can't do it. Um, So if you're watching or listening, when you're done, write it down, Under the Surface. Go to YouTube, type it in, Under the Surface, Empathy Film. And it's four minutes, three minutes and 50 seconds. Powerful. We're in a time now. Uh, We don't know where people's stressors are. We don't know where people's anxiety are, right? People have those in a a regular world, let alone a pandemic. Those are intensified in a a pandemic. People's stresses, people's uh, things going on in their lives affecting them. And the the under-the-surface film is about, yeah, empathy, being empathetic right? Maybe not approaching your neighbor, your colleague, your friend with so much, right? Taking it back a little bit and uh, taking taking some off, being more patient, more kind. You don't know if they've lost their job. You don't know if they've lost a loved one. Uh, in my community here in Port Jervis, uh, we had a shooting the other night and a student got shot. And you know, the impact that that has had on families and communities, fear, anger, violence, right? So I, I, I try to lead with empathy. I try to have that. And um, so I, I recommend you watch the film. I recommend you you use it if you're an educator. We showed it to my whole school a couple of years ago. So if you're an educator, if you're a parent, show it with your children. And, again, I apologize. I wanted to show it today on the program And uh, uh, I'm not able to do that. So uh, I encourage you to check it out. Go to YouTube, Under the Surface Empathy Film. And uh, I'm gonna bring today's guest in right now uh, because Mikey uh, does that in his program. Um, And uh, Dr. Mikey Fallon, welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond, the second time.
1: Yeah, glad to be back, brother. Glad to be back, for real, Yeah. yeah.
0: And Mikey, again, it's an honor to have you on. I've seen a lot of school programs over my time. Uh, you are in the Hall of Fame, in my uh, opinion, of of people who presented schools. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself, right? Tell our audience who, who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself, and then I know we'll go into uh, more about you during the program and your and your show. But tell us who you are. Introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. So I, I the best way to describe me these days is an adapter. Um, I, I'm a, sometimes I get amazed by my ability to adapt, my ability to take whatever's being thrown at me. And at first I might feel like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, but then to be able to create. So I'm a creator and I'm an adapter. Uh, professionally, you know, my training backgrounds in clinical psychology, but I've used that as a way of understanding groups, or understanding uh, teens as the subgroup of larger groups. And I'm passionate about that. I love the way that groups operate and I love understanding groups as a reflection of the individuals. And sometimes it's a little easier to, uh, to make statements about the group or about groups than it is individuals because people who are individuals can get more defensive uh, in those moments, rather than just observations about how groups behave and group norms, and so that's that's my that's one of my that's one of my passions. I have a lot of passions, but that's certainly one of them.
0: Yeah, and I met Mikey through coming to uh, Port Jervis. Again, he's in the Northeast area, but but travels extensively, and um, again presents to schools about understanding other people, about understanding the differences. Mikey, what was your inspiration for, you know, teenagers primarily, school age kids, right? You know, clinical psychology, but why mm-hmm. teenagers? How'd you get going into that? Yeah, well, a
1: couple of things that happened in high school. One of them was my own struggles and battles with depression and anxiety. And I realized that no matter what I ended up doing professionally, that one of the target groups would be teens who were struggling like I was struggling. Like, I wish I just had someone to simply say to me, uh, you know, and there were people that said it, but not in this way. You are not alone, that we are all going through this mess, this struggle. I I think in some ways, that's what makes this whole COVID situation feel a lot more comforting, even though 2020 has been a miserable year for many people. There's something about other people going through it with you that lets you feel a little bit less alone. You know, that being said, I also realize that there is a part that we share and experience. But I was also going to school having, you know, not been able to sleep at night because mom and dad were arguing all night or, you know, I was feeling insecure about my image uh, how I felt about the world, and at times, I I was so much in my head processing all these things about the world that there was a way that it was hard for me to enjoy it, and I think one of the groups I wanted to always affect and to always reach out to were those who were similar to me, and that that started it, so when I got through some of my real difficult time, like 15, 16 years old, I, I realized it doesn't matter what I do in college, my focus, my passion is gonna be towards teenagers. How can I help them be understood and not judged and to realize that part of that starts with me sharing about my experiences.
0: Yeah, and you do that in the most unique and creative ways. Here is this big, strong African-American male owning the stage, but then he comes out with these, these voices and these characters and he's not afraid to wear a scarf and be somebody different. Where did the characters come from, Mike? And again, if people haven't seen your program, YouTube, go to his website and certainly book them for your school. But the characters, you know, you feel like after your programming, you feel like you know the character, right? Like you mm-hmm. want to be that person. Where did they come from? How did you create them? That's an in- so so a
1: lot of them get created out of part my own experiences and then also experiences of other people have shared their stories. And then I typically can combine multiple stories into one character. But I started to realize something that was more challenging during this time. Like the part of the challenge was if I'm on stage and I'm live and here I am a guy and I'm playing a female character, it's easier to pull it off when I am live. Yeah, I knew that I didn't want to approach it on video or on virtual in the same way. And so the challenge in this time was trying to figure out, oh, how am I going to do this? I literally, I, I, I remember I was stressing, I was stressing about virtual presentations, and all these schools were calling, like, does he do a virtual presentation? And I, you know, I was like, one of those things, like, yeah, I do. I don't know what it's going to be, but I do, you know? And, <laughs> and so I started creating and what I realized is that I'm so intimately connected when I create a character that I could wake up in the morning and I can walk through my day and respond as the character. I imagine the character respond to whatever is happening. And so, you know, I, I so a buddy of mine said said to me, he said, well, why do you have to be beholden to any monologues that you've done before? Your characters are living, breathing. And I was thinking this already. And I and, I, and it struck me that, yeah, my characters, because I had one of those panics because I hadn't done my show since March. And I was like, oh, I can't remember how this monologue went. Oh, what am I supposed to say? And then I stopped myself. I have this self-talk. And I'm like, who cares? You can't remember it. You know, most people can't remember what they ate for breakfast yesterday. That's all good. Just speak about what's happening in the world. Speak about what's happening in teenage life speak what's happening in your own life and allow those characters to take hold of that and you know that's the part i was saying about the adaptation I'm just it was it was almost seamless it was, was kind of cool to do that but that being said there were characters i'm like i'm not going to do virtually on video it just comes off I, I don't want people to be offended or think like oh what's he doing here and so i had to find and dig deep into other characters which was cool too
0: Okay, so tell me, Mikey. Again, normally he's got a thousand five hundred kids in front of him, and he's he's got them right. He builds up. He's got the audience. How do you build a rapport with a computer screen?
1: Yeah. Okay. So here's something I found out. I I realized that in this time, whether because sometimes I'll speak to a school where I can see the audience. They they sit them down and like I was last week, uh, I did six presentations to this private school out in Hawaii. And they had the students in that auditorium setting and they put a camera right below the screen that I was performing. So I'm looking at them like I'm on on stage and I'm doing a presentation, but they all have masks on. And then prior to this, I do these presentations, like typically for me, if I do two presentations live, I'm fine. It's, it's no, it's easy. It's not even, doesn't even make me feel tired. If I do three, it's, more, it's definitely feeling that a little more sleepy. When I do one virtually now, it's like, I'm shot. I, I like, I need time to recoup. I need to figure out how to pace it differently, take care of myself. And I was sharing that with my girlfriend. And she said to me, she said, have you heard about, she goes, that's a real thing. Have you heard about Zoom fatigue? I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, she's like, well, I read this article. And it's the fact that we are social creatures. And so and even if we are just speaking to a screen, our brains are trying to connect. Our brains are trying to figure out. I just dropped this joke. I don't see anyone on my screen, but I'm supposed to now pause as if people are laughing but my brain is searching, where's the laughter, where's the laughter, you know? Or I'm saying this very emotional uh, story from my own life or from something that I experienced from someone else sharing a story and I can't get the same feedback. And my brain is just constantly trying to find that feedback. So I become a little more tired, you know? And I think in this virtual presentation, what I had to do was just pace myself differently. Like I couldn't just put all of it at the beginning out, I had to pace it. But what I found that was kind of strange, I said this to another friend of mine, I said, you know, it's weird. Like I sometimes, most of the times I don't see any audience and I still am getting very emotional when I'm doing these monologues towards the end. I'm talking about parts of my own life and I'm really getting this emotions coming out. And I was like, you know, I would say I'm freaked out by not talking to an audience, but it just goes to show that I spent a lot of time looking in a mirror and talking to myself, you know? And so for me, it was just, it was the transition of like, okay, speak your truth. It doesn't matter who's listening. Somebody's out there who needs to hear this. And I think yeah. that's what I look it at it as.
0: That's interesting, Mikey. And again, right, your message is so powerful. Uh, again, if you're watching live, I invite you to join us. Like Mikey said, right? Feedback and let us know you're here uh, because your your voice is impacting pe- people. Um, Mikey, how about how about right at the end of the show? There's a long line. They want to say hello. They want to thank you. They want to hug mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, and you're able to again help more others, right? How about the ending, right? Do, or can kids reach out to you? Do they email you? Do they? What's a way yeah. that when when the screen shuts down that they can? hug you or, or thank you.
1: Yeah, that's that's been, to be honest, that's been really difficult. Yeah. Uh, not being live for that part of it, that part of really connecting to students, connecting to adults, and just being able to uh, give a hug and just to listen to a story. And what I find is that people in this format, they're a little more reticent. You know, they're not going to open up and share a personal story through the inbox, you know, and they're not and if they've never met me, some will reach out, some have reached out through Instagram messenger or Facebook messenger and they've reached out to send me a note of how I affected them, but I but I would say it's probably maybe a tenth of the the letter, you know, the the notes and the letters I would normally get uh, because they don't have that personal connection. So they feel weirded out. Like, is this just some famous guy now, you know, whatever they have, whatever, you know, noise in their head is making them stop from writing that. And I hate that part. You know, I think one of the reasons I never went into the direction of Broadway or uh movies was for that reason. I didn't want to miss out on, uh, you know, being able to connect with an audience and a personable, Uh, in real way
0: yeah well uh, we're glad you chose the route you chose but if you went broadway or you went to the movies (laughs) i guarantee you would have been successful and again if you're watching this or listening to this if you haven't seen mikey's performance uh it it is one of the (laughs) hall of fame uh, because it is so emotional it is so real uh and i think you identify with so many kids and speaking about the kids mikey uh, you know what would you say to the adults, right? The educators and teachers and parents that are watching now, you know, as kids are starting to come back, we in Port Jervis, we're starting to come back. Some are still virtual, but eventually they're gonna come back. What would you say would be some tips that we as the adults can do for the kids, connect with the kids to serve their social and emotional well-being?
1: Yeah, I think one and that was actually something that was brought up by a parent in one of my Hawaii presentations. And she was asking that question, you know, what? and and I said, be real. Don't pretend this is not hard for you. Don't pretend that this is something that we all just have to get used to it and move on. And yes, we have to get used to it, but to acknowledge how difficult it is to get used to, you know, and, and the parent was bringing up the fact that as teenagers, you're already going to be wearing a mask. Even if you don't really have a mask on, you're wearing a mask because you're so concerned about, the social approval part of it and and, and the high school experience and belonging and all the stuff you worry all throughout the life. But we worry about it less, obviously, as we get older. And so now putting a physical mask on, it's like we see an identity that's not quite the person that we think like my and i'll, I'll tell you like I, I can't sometimes i'll see a person with the mask when they take it off i was like oh that's not how i would have drawn the rest of the face oh okay that's what they look like you know and and then oh, i say oh that's what they're smile, they were actually smiling i couldn't tell by the way their eyes were squinting at me you know like i, I didn't know they were smiling and uh and so some of that emotional content is lost so one of the things I encourage people to, to be able to express how they feel within their vulnerability that not just to push that aside because just because we're all going through it doesn't mean that it's it's less painful for some of these for some of the students other students they're not missing a beat you know I think uh, I, i've I've met enough I've met students where even before all this pandemic who would approach me after my show and they would talk about a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or they talk about their best friend who lived in another country who they never met. Right. And, and so they only like communicated with them, either through the video games or they communicated with them on some like face on, on some app like this, or their Snapchat, or they, or they were able to communicate with them, but not really see them, up close and personal. So there's a, there's a way that this generation was built in some ways to handle it better than someone like myself. Yeah. You know, I I, whew, I, I, I miss that human
0: contact in that way. Yeah. That's you're right. Some kids do like it. They like the autonomy. They like that. They could wake up at seven twenty eight and be in class at seven 29. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they do like some of that, but that human interaction uh, is, is so important. <laughs> Mikey, how about for the adults? Uh, you had mentioned Zoom fatigue. And with all the effort that you're putting in to connect with the audience, it's, it's tiring, right? Your brain. What would you, would you say for all the educators out there now? How can they recharge? How can they get some some peace after trying to do this all day, five, six, seven times a day virtually?
1: Right, right. I One of the things I would suggest is even like when I'm doing a presentation, I will never make two presentations be identical, you know? So I have to, so I, I, so even if you have the framework of what you're teaching as a lesson in class to just throw in either a story or some other piece that you didn't use before that you didn't use in a previous class, it will. Number one, when I do that, I'm thinking about where is this going to fit or where are these pieces that I'm going to throw into this one going to fit throughout this presentation and what that does to me is that keeps my excitement level energy level and anxiety level a little bit elevated i want to feel anxious i want to feel a little anxious i want to be like okay okay i gotta i'm gonna be on point on this i have to be on point where if i just did the sort of the the same thing same words over and over it would be very difficult to keep engaged
0: yeah
1: that would that that increases the fatigue for me if i'm not Constantly thinking, like, how can I mix it up a little bit?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you say that, Mikey. When when we were all virtual, right? And I'm I'm in my attic now in my home. And when I was coming up here to go to school, it, you know, you you didn't have to be on, right? When I'm at school, I have to perform. I have to to be out and about, and and you know that 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 anxiety or as you said, anxiousness to be at your best wasn't there. So I I, I understand what you're saying. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah so but I, I I love I love that dance though that 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 ability to say how can I keep these so I don't get so part of it like people have asked me like when I do a presentation and someone says to me oh how did it go I'm like it went great in my head you know like I don't know <laughs> like there's no marker for me now like I'll hear sometimes back from you know an administrator like oh they really enjoyed it it was really moving but I don't experience that in the moment, so it's a little bit I have to stay true to, like, how am I, am I giving my best in this moment right now? Do Mm -hmm. I feel connected to what I'm saying? Or is my mind floating off to what I'm going to do afterwards? And so that's how I'm I'm sort of gauging where I am and uh, how I'm doing this, this format.
0: Mikey, how how about how about you? You you said in March was one of your last live shows, right? Mm-hmm. Did you take this time of the closure, those spring months? Did you do any writing? Did you do any uh, thing different? What did you do with that time when you had all those cancellations?
1: Yeah, you know, I did some writing for sure. I did some essay writing. You know, I'm more in the format of essays these days. Although I wrote a new poem for the. Virtual presentations, but I'm kind of like in more of an essay mode and just observing what's happening, you know, in society at large and trying to figure how to get the discussion to continue as opposed to just picking a side and then regurgitating whatever that side is supposed to say. And I think that's the one part where I really am conscientious of this, where I can have conversations. I'd be interested to know, you know, with some of my friends who I grew up within Tom's River versus some of the friends that I've met in other you know, realms of my life. And Tom's River is a very conservative town in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, when I see what I realize is that when I see discussions happening, like on some of their Facebook pages, for example that they don't really have too many people outside of their circle of thought. And when I see people that I either went to graduate school and who are more liberal and progressive, they don't really have too many friends outside of their circle of thought. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my duty is like, how can, we, how can we find something in common that can not necessarily make us, do not change our opinions, but make us understand the conversation a little bit better. You know, and, and, and I and I and I so in some of my essays, you know, I, I was writing, I was just writing about, you know, how to like. So the, the conversation that was happening was when uh, George Floyd was killed, and uh, some of my friends from high school were making comments like, "How come they care about George Floyd, but not what's happening in Chicago?" Which is kind of a talking point, you know. And so I I wrote this essay about um, seals. So seals in, in Alaska have been raping king penguins, female king penguins. And it's an interesting thing that's been happening, but it's been happening more recently. And the story with it is because these seals, because of human beings taking away their food source and like overfishing that, they're hungry. So they've been coming onto land and attacking these penguins because they're hungry and they're more aggressive. Right. And so I'm looking at this and I'm talking about this. And what I say at the end is like, now I know some of you might say, why are you talking about seals raping penguins? Don't you know that girls and women get raped more? And I was like, I know but talking about seals and penguins, because this is a problem too, right? That you can hold both. You can hold George Floyd, and you can hold Chicago, and you don't have to pick a side on that. That you can say, yeah, we have to care about all of this, but right now I may want to focus on seals and how to stop this problem, you know? And so, you know, just finding a way where people will be able to hear you if you're willing to use different examples that are not what you can turn on in any of the news channel.
0: Mikey, you are, you are one of a kind and I, I your message, your voice, uh, we got to continue to get at, get it the, out there. Uh, have you ever thought about a Ted talk, Mike? I, you know, this wasn't on our question list, but just listening to yeah. you, your message like, is that something, is that a goal? Is yes. A yes. I
1: mean, yes. In fact, I just, uh, Probably to keep checking my email with it, but probably a month ago or so, I just applied for a TED fellowship. You know, I'm trying to see yeah. if I can get into to do a, you know, a, a yeah. TED talk. Like I, man, I would love that for real. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and there's been some chatter with some stuff locally here. Again, how do you do it now? But some schools are hosting, right? They're not the TED, but they're the TEDx, yep. right? Uh So if we could get you in, but, but you, you know, you have so much to offer. Um, I, I really, you know, I, I just, let, I mean, even the thing about the, the SEALs, it's just, you know, <laughs> just, you I want to yeah. help you yeah. get that voice out and and, and really that impact. I, I've said it a couple of times. If you're watching live, you're listening, uh, please check out uh, Mikey and, and what he's doing and, and helping kids uh, and have them come speak at your school because it is, it really is impactful. Um, and, and I thank you for, for your message, Mike. Um, Mikey, how, how, what else? Self, self-care, self right? You're a psychologist yeah. in, in helping people. Uh, I have staff coming back. I have kids coming back. You gave a couple, a couple tips, but again, how self-care, what are some things that you would recommend, uh, for people getting back into schools, getting back into their routines? Uh, anything else would you recommend?
1: Well, that self-care in general like I've been doing a lot more. That's one of the things I also made a point to do and uh this this summer as things are going I said well now I have no excuse whether it is um doing trainings with my guy who owned the gym or getting a massage like there it's hard to take that time to say I need to take care of myself. It is. It's one of those things. It was funny when I was married um Tessin, my former wife, she she had uh, said to my mom, because my mom is like constantly going. Like, she's nonstop, you know, is used to working hard. And even though she's 78, she doesn't want to stop. And and Tessin was just like, you know, Joyce, you need to slow down. You need to just breathe. You're not even breathing. Can you just stop for a second? And she's like, I want you to breathe. And no joke. This is my mom. She goes, <sighs> okay. And then she just took <laughs> off again, you know? And that, that's like, and so I have to, I know I've seen it in my parents, the way they've always gone. So I have to like slow it down. And I've been conscious of that. And I, so I do these things, like I'll start working on a puzzle, for example, or I will buy things that is deliberate things, right? So learning a language, trying to learn a language, trying to learn another language, trying to, trying to be there. So you're just in a moment where there's no way to rush that process, right? So part of that, that helps me to release some of the angst of sort of speeding through, and how can we get through this as fast as possible? And I think the other thing of, uh, just for even educators, that when you are in this moment, that's really turned things upside down in a lot of ways that, I mean, I feel for you because here you are that the format is so different you're not sure how long this format is going to last is it going to be the same format next month and if it's not what it's going to look like then so we're we're future living and we're not being present right so to always say well, that's going to happen if it happens then it's not happening right now and I started to realize that I when I start getting anxious it's all because of Uh, what's going to happen if this doesn't work out or if this, or if this payment doesn't happen, or if this school doesn't start, if this school doesn't book me. And I, I just, I remind myself, take a look outside. You think the birds right now are worrying about it. They don't seem to be worried about it. They're going to do the same thing tomorrow. They're going to go and look for their food, fly back to their nest, go out, look for their food again. And it says, like, I think, I think you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to be okay. And figuring out that if you're not okay in this moment, and the comforts that you have, that you're still going to be okay because you're somebody who's going to find a way to make it work.
0: And, and I- you open and you open the show with that, right? The, yeah. the power of adapting, the power of changing. And uh, uh, a couple of my friends say, "Hey, it's you know the 2.0 version, the 3.0 version, right? That they're changing." So uh, that power of adaptation. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Mikey, we're going to get to rapid fire here. These are quick uh, an- uh, mm-hmm. questions, you know, the first answer that pops to your head. But before we do that, was there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, again, your line of work you're having a deep impact on people. Uh, but yeah. was there anything that you that I didn't ask you about that you said, hey, I think this is important?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so uh, here, here's something else that I've done for self-care. So I've been looking at and I've been doing this for years where I'll look at something that either I'm doing in the world or just a behavior or something that's happened and try to figure out what is the lesson in this. All right? so, uh, oh, so months ago, I think it was like around April, maybe April, May. I was, uh, my landscapers were over and the guy who owns the company, Bob, he was like, all right, Mike, what do you want to do this year with your little flower bed here? You obviously don't like taking care of flowers or planting flowers. And, and I was like, yeah, man, you got to give me something else. I can't do this. You know, he's like, all right, how about some river rocks? You know, put some river rocks. You don't, it's low maintenance. You don't have to worry about, it. I said, Cool. I'm down with that. I don't have to do anything. That's cool. Cuz I looked out like at my neighbors and they really get into the lawns. They really get into their lawns and they're they're planting little uh, shrubs and flowers and I'm like that is not me. I respect <laughs> it, but I just think like we we join this we're in this life and we accept a certain level of absurdity and sometimes when I see people just so proud of their lawns and their flower beds. I just think this is so weird. This is this is absurd. And so I was like, I'm all good with the with the river rocks. And then, so I go out. My girlfriend's over. I said I got to run out get some food. I'll be back. And I come back, and she's like, Oh, the guys were looking for you. They just wanted to see if you know they, they did a good job. And they said it's all done. All you have to do is every other day, just make sure you water the river rocks. And I was like huh what are the river rocks i was like huh i wouldn't ever think about that i thought i didn't really have to do anything you know and he's like no the river rocks so they need water and i was like cool makes sense okay yeah all right and so (laughs) a couple weeks later i i get food with my daughter i come back in i go hey saskia your food's here daddy's going outside to water the rocks (laughs) and i hear myself saying this and i'm like now i've become that absurd and i've taken it to another level so i'm out there i'm watering the rocks and i'm like these things are so pretty when they're watered you know i'm looking at them they're shiny they're really great and i come back in and i'm laughing though and even though i'm, I'm embracing the absurdity and so i call my girlfriend i say, like, yeah it's really weird watering rocks you know and she goes she starts laughing and she's like well why were you even watering them in the first place I was like, because that's what the landscapers said. You know, you told me, like they said, water the rocks every other day. And she just goes, I was just kidding. Right. So (laughs) here I am. But after that, I still go out and I water the rocks. And here's the reason. Here's the lesson that started happening for me. As I was watering the rocks, what I realized was that I enjoyed for that brief time when they shine. And when I was watering them, they were just shining. And it was something that I was doing to make them shine. And they go back to their state after. And I felt like that's what I do when I go to schools, right? I just help people to shine for that brief moment. And even if it may last only a week, that's okay, right? They're the, they're the river rocks that were shining, you know? And that's, that's what I encourage people to figure out, like, how can you take something that will either spiritually, emotionally, you know, edify you, even if it's something, a simple task as watering your rocks,
0: Amen, Mikey. Amen. There's your blog. There's the there it is. That's, the, that's the story, man. That's it, yeah. Amen. Yeah. You, you make them shine. You bring out the best. Uh, and let's see how, about how we can keep that shine on him a little bit longer. But that's a great, that's a great story. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank uh, you. Uh yeah, there's the blog. <laughs> and you know what, Mikey? That might be the TED talk, right? You might have no, something. Oh, no, yes, absolutely. That's, that's one yeah. thing. Yep. That's one of the ideas I was thinking for sure. Yep. There's a book, I don't know if you read it, it's called Talk Like Ted, and they say the best Ted Talks are the stories. 12 minutes of the 18 minutes yep. are stories. So that there's one, that's yeah. good. Thank you. Cool, all right, let's get to it. Rapid fire, my friend, you ready? Let's do it. All right, you gotta get to those rocks. Last book you read?
1: Uh, last book I read was uh, Kite Runner. Good? Yeah, it's good. Fiction. It's fiction, yeah. It takes place. Yeah. I haven't read many books that take place in the Middle East, and that that's one of them, though. Yep.
0: Check it out. Last movie you saw.
1: Last movie I saw. What did I see? I saw this movie Tenet, which is out now in the movie theaters. I had t- you know went to a movie theater, saw this movie Tenet. It's by the director, uh, Christopher Nolan, who did the Batman series and also Inception. Yeah.
0: I'm going to divert off, off my rapid fire. Movies... Yeah. Shows do they do you, do they ever inspire you with characters do you hear something or see something and say hmm
1: absolutely oh my goodness yeah movies especially since in my personal collection I have four thousand films right so movies have always been something that I love seeing character development I actually was watching um, this Netflix series Ratchet about. Nurse Ratched from One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, you know, and sort of like the prequel to that movie. And uh, there's one, her brother in the movie, a really troubled individual, uh, and he's playing this, he's faking to have schizophrenia. But the Mm -hmm. monologue they created for him and the way he was connecting thoughts, it was just like, yes, I would love to create a character with schizophrenia and be honest and truthful in a way where you're like, Whoa, how did you get there? Oh, wow. You know, and just like to... So, yeah, when I watch movies or shows, like a lot of times, I really look at them through two different lenses. One is entertainment. The other is, what can I learn as a performer?
0: Yeah, what can I take away from it? Amen. Um, Favorite place to travel?
1: Favorite place to travel? uh, i still say Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's definitely my favorite place to travel. I just find the people there. I've had conversations that every time I've gone, there've been conversations I've had with strangers that have always sort of blown me away and been like, this is really cool. They weren't asking me about the weather, you know, like the last one I had, this guy was talking about the way that bear meat tastes, and he's like, it's kind of gross, you know, so you might not want to eat beer. And I'm like, I wasn't going to eat it in the first place. And he's like, you know, tell me about when they're in hibernating, how all the urine gets stuck in them and it ruins the meat. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but I was like, that wasn't a weather question. And I was like, that's really cool. I just had this great moment with this guy who I'll probably never see again. But I'm really I'm really educated from this.
0: <laughs> Living and growing up in New Jersey is.
1: That's a good one. Living and growing up in New Jersey was—it shaped me to be kind with an edge. Yeah. So I realized my kindness of growing up in like a place like Tom's River, where I was one of few black students in the in the school that I attended, high school East. Uh, so that's where the kindness in that. I realized if I was kind of people, they didn't have the same stereotypes that they may have about the aggressive black male that they thought I was going to be, you know? And so that kindness happened. But then when I travel to States that are known to be really kind, like I'll go to some places in the Midwest or the South, I'm just like, why are you smiling at me? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like here I am encouraging people to smile at strangers and I'm looking at people like, why are you looking at me? You know, why are you smiling at me? And so I have, I have that New Jersey edge for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, you talked about your passions today, uh, different things, something that really motivates you. Huh. Uh, discussions. I, I would
1: say that what's well, not really motivating me, just discussions that I have with people that m- allow me to grow, like pushes me to look in the mirror and, and to really ask myself, like, how can I, you know, maybe just be, Better at seeing this thing. So I'll give you a quick example of this. Um, I have a friend of mine who was listening to me to complain about turkey vultures. And, I, you know, sometimes we get turkey vultures and especially in the fall that fly around uh, my home. And I I was just like, they're so ugly. Just ugly creatures to me. I was like, oh, they actually give me like nightmare ugly. You know, I'm just like, oh, they're ugly creatures. And then one day, I guess because I put that out to the universe, this turkey vulture drags the carcass of a doe from the street into my yard. (laughs) And for three days is eating this carcass. (laughs) I'm just I'm angry. I'm, like, afraid to go out because I'm afraid the turkey vulture is going to kill me. And I'm just, like, looking at this. I'm like, wow. And then my friend, I say, I was saying this to her, and she was just, like, this. she's this gentle soul. And she just looks at me and she goes, yeah, Mikey, they're not the most attractive creatures. But did you know that they only feed off the dead, that they don't kill anything? And so they take care of the dead and its decay so we don't have to smell it. And I was like, wow. And she goes, and even better than that, she goes, they have amazing stomachs so they can eat anything and they won't get sick and they won't die from it. And then when they poop, it's bacteria-free. And I was like, wow. And I'm looking this up and sure enough, only creatures to have bacteria-free poop. And I was like, as ugly as they are. And then and again, here's the here's the connection to people that not everyone's meant to speak on stage. Not everyone's meant to create the next vaccine or to be the next NBA star, but maybe what we do is take all that sadness, all that death, all that decay, and we turn it into something that's more pure, right? And that's that's like I love when people share a story to make me be more compassionate than I was prior.
0: These stories are powerful. You're a storyteller, your performance. Your friend Joanne Cropper here, she wants the royalties off the rock story, but <laughs> the turkey, the turkey Walter story, uh that's another one. That's good. <laughs> How about something that gets under your skin, Mikey? What's a pet peeve of yours?
1: Ooh, pet peeve of mine. Um, yeah, I have a few. Like, I would say one of my pet peeves is when I'm having a discussion and somebody treats me as if I'm stupid. You yeah. know, like that. That's definitely a pet peeve, and I can get a little bit defensive for sure. Um based on that, and I get a little prickly, you know, and so that yeah, that would be definitely a strong pet, pet peeve.
0: Well, like one of your shows, they don't know you until they know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shame on them. Um, I know I've connected with my audience when
1: when by the pacing of my words on stage, that I know I can either in a given moment, in the same, with the same sentence, make them laugh mm. or tear up, mm. you know, and I've played around with that, you know, I've played around with, you know, like, like talking about an emotional part in my story, even talking about the girl, and you've heard me talk about the one who had walked up to me after one of my presentations and said, thank you for not killing yourself in college for today to save my life. Well, sometimes I'm describing it, I don't want people to be so stuck in the emotional intensity. It's already given with the emotions in that story that I'll say, you know, and she's walking up and she has the whole works going for her. The tears running, the makeup flowing down her face and the snot pouring out, you know? And so as soon as I say that, it's this brief moment of like uh a laughter, which allows them then to feel the intensity of the next words that the girl says, you know, that our emotions, you know, it's uh, our, our crying is not the opposite of our laughing. It's actually very close to each other. And it's just this little bridge to cross. And in that moment when I'm on stage, when I know I'm connecting to an audience, that I have the ability to do both, to make them laugh and to make them cry.
0: Biggest flop on stage.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, got, I got two of them, right? So one of them, so here I am. I'm on stage. I'm sitting down in this chair. I'll, You know, I'm back in the day, man, I would wear my jeans for like a couple of years, you know, two, three, four years. It didn't matter. I was just like, you know, not, not the same one, but I'd have the same jeans. And I was sitting on stage one time, and I'm there, and I'm thinking the audience is just with me, laughing, connecting. But then they start pointing to me. <laughs> my legs are open, and my jeans had ripped. <laughs> Yo, yo, I was seriously like, wow. I like, like, when they're pointing, they're just like, oh. and I was just like, oh man, you know, and that embarrassment of that, you know, was just so, like, it's one of those that I can, I can still feel the embarrassment sometimes when I think about it, you know, or, 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 um, I went to a school, and, and you know, sometimes it's great to have the ability to just adapt on the stage and just to create while you're doing. It. And I and I decided, like I used to just rap in it, and I was like, oh, I came up with a great line. I was gonna, I'm going to say that Tupac got clocked. By a Glock, right? So in my head, that was the line. I was like, I never tried this before, but I'm fitting it in somewhere in my rap that I was gonna do. I was doing, so I'm in that middle, and I bust out the line and I nail it. It's like Tupac pot Glock, by a Glock, and then I forgot every th- part of the rap. And so I was just like,
0: yeah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. Those are really embarrassing moments for me, though. Well,
0: Thousands of time on stage. We're going to have a few that don't go our way. Mikey, yep. again, you know, you're a great creator, right? I believe we all have a book in us. We talked about a TED talk, but I believe we all have a book in us. What would be the title of your book?
1: Ah, uh, it got me to thinking. That's the
0: title. It got me to thinking. Yeah. A lot of these, I mean, the, what you said about the vulture, right? You're finding yeah. these i mean that's that's yep. great something about mikey found that people don't know about
1: ah uh, let's see well i'm trying to think of something that's good that i usually don't share in us in an audience uh hmm that i okay so i start you know people know that i'm a collector when i say i got four thousand movies so they know that but i collect and my girlfriend, you know, she will, she will try to make it to say I'm a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder though. Okay. I I know the difference, right? I'm a collector. And so I get these fascinations of collecting things. So it's easy to please me. Like if you just buy me a new lighter, like not like your, your zippo lighter, but something funky, cool lighter, you know, and it could be a zippo lighter, but not your, I should say your Bic lighters that they used to have there. Like not that, but I mean, something like, I have some cool lighters that light like literally the, the actual lighter like brings this light, you know, has like a, some of our watches and they look like a clock or a watch. But when you open it up it lights, so I have one that's a it's a prank lighter where if you try to um, use your finger to to flick the flame on it, it actually shocks your finger. <laughs> and then, you know, so, like, I, I just love collecting lighters.
0: Interesting. That yeah. is interesting. Right. If you're watching, you like Mikey, next time he comes to your school, we're going to have to going to have to remember that Mikey next time you come back. <laughs> um and and how about the last one here? Best, you know, advice dealing with COVID, uh that you know that you that you practice But best advice that you could say about this time and the and the COVID and the shutdown and all of that.
1: Yeah. The best advice during this time uh, that I could I probably give, and with the COVID thing, besides the you know the you know make sure you're physically being safe, I think it, it's really taking care of your creative self so that the days don't just blend into each other. And that's been the hardest part for me. You know, I'm used to like slowing my days down because each day I was at a different school. So I was able yeah. to tell you where I was yesterday was quite different than where I am today or the next day. And what I found is one of the first times in my life where I, I started losing track of what like a Tuesday was no different than a Thursday. And I, I've never been that. I've never had that experience. So one of the things is to try to track your days where maybe on certain days you will do things that you will not do on those other days just so sort to of slow it down so you can still feel like yeah, I know everyone wants to be like over 2020, but the quicker you get over 2020 the quicker you get closer to your end as well, you know? And so I I don't want to just like ignore this year and not take the lessons that I can learn or, you know, the relationships that I can connect to. And I've been doing a lot more of that, connecting to people, connect to people where you don't have the excuse. I don't have an excuse anymore. I don't have an excuse. If I can't see them in person, I can certainly pull up my computer And I can have a Zoom chat with them, which has been cool, which has been really cool in that way, because I don't have to feel like, oh, all right. I need just to see them if I go out with them, that I can connect with people from across seas and and still feel like we're in each other's presence.
0: Amen, brother. You did a great job uh, here on the show again, your second time. Uh, and really, Mike, it is an honor for me to, to have you on. Uh, you are great at what you do. Uh, how can people get in touch with you or 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 see some of your content or learn more about you? What would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah,
1: I guess the best way to really reach out would be, uh, well, to see my content would be uh, my website. And that's Mikey, M-Y-K-E-E, uh, Fowlin, F-O-W-L-I-N.com, MikeyFowlin.com. And using that for Instagram, it's Mikey Fowlin, uh, Twitter, Mikey Fowlin. And then uh, Facebook is Mikey Michael Fowlin. And those are the best ways.
0: Cool. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Again, I'm at Andrew Murata 21. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. And again, Dr. Mikey Fowlin. Great stories, Mikey. The the shiny rocks, the turkey vulture, really just great. Stay on the line a second, Mike. I see my
1: my girlfriend the clown riding in that little little, little block. Okay, yeah, I'll give you relatives. (laughs)
0: She's right on with that, man. Give it a a right, We'll uh, head on out here. Again, Dr. Mikey Fallon uh, signing off here on Education Leadership Beyond. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in.
1: Thank you, brother.